Welcome again to another episode of Horrorversary. I, I know it's crazy. We're, we're here in short succession. We had an episode and now we've got another one after it. I'm, I'm slowly getting to the point where I'm actually understanding what actual scheduling recording is like, you know, when you're doing it on, on purpose. So we're here. We've got an episode and it's going to be a good one. Like I said, we're trying to get a little bit of everything. Now, if you're listening to this show for the first time, welcome. Welcome in. Thank you very much. And the best way to describe Horrorversary is simply put, this is a podcast celebrating horror movies, celebrating anniversaries. Now, we don't do any of the niddly piddly, oh, it's been 31 years. Oh, it's been 27 years. That's great. But we're doing the milestones. We're doing the 10s, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. Sometimes, if we're lucky, even the 70s, because we like highlighting all those different points in, in horror history. Now, I've said it before on the previous episode. I'm going to send it here. I'm really excited for this year because we're going to be looking back at the turn of so many different decades. And you get lots of points where you have movies that are kind of defining that decade or that are going to define the styles that you're going to get. You also get a whole bunch of outliers that it's not until 10, 20 years later that people look back at them and they're able to have that fond appreciation. That's very much this episode. And this episode is exciting because here in 2020, we are getting a brand new Richard Stanley movie. It's in theaters right now. It's probably going to hit VOD a little bit after that, just because that's the way the world works. But the fact that people can see a pure, unadulterated, uncut Richard Stanley vision now is just wonderful. And thankfully, it lines up perfectly with the fact in 1990, we had one of his early films in hardware. Now, hardware, when it comes out in the theater, you can talk to people about it, but it was a film that was unfortunately kind of cut to shreds. Nowadays, if you go out there and you look on the internet, you can find the uncut Blu-ray, which has all that beautiful, beautiful gore in it. Now, when you're talking about Richard Stanley and you're talking about the vision that he has, it's, it's, it's very important because he has a very unique vision and hardware definitely hits upon that. And okay. You can forgive me because I was getting really excited about Richard Stanley, and I think everybody gets really excited about Richard Stanley. You get caught up in that moment, and the guests that we have this week are the only people I could think about bringing on to talk about Richard Stanley because of the fact that they were there to see this on the big screen recently. Now, I've mentioned it a couple times, but I'm based in Kansas City. And at the end of January, we got to have the one, the only Panic Fest take over Kansas City and the Screenland Armor. And we had a whole bunch of very special guests. But one of the nights that everybody was really excited for was Sunday night when they were showing on the big screen the way that the majority of most people hadn't seen it, that uncut version of hardware. And these two gentlemen with me were there to experience it. And so we thought this is a perfect thing to discuss. So please bring a welcome back in a way to Horrorversary, the gentleman of Nightmare Junkin, Junkhead, sorry, Greg D and Genius McGee. How are you guys doing? This is what you want and this is what you get. <laughs> we are doing well. We are doing well. Thank you for having us back yeah. here. This is always number one. Um, love listening to the show. I love the variety of guests. This is always nice for me because I've mentioned before, I listen to a lot of podcasts, the horror Excuse me, not the Horrorversary, but Horrorversary is definitely one of them. And ultimately, it is based on the level of guests that you get, the diversity of them, and their genuine passion and joy for everything they talk about. So thank you for upkeeping. And I'm just glad to be anywhere. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're still recovering from Panic Fest, aren't you? Yes, I, I, I panicked my ass off. I think we all are at this yeah. point. It's uh was probably one of the most special festivals i've ever attended not only for the movies and we're going to definitely talk about hardware but obviously the memories that were made yes yeah. but then celebrating all the films with the filmmakers seeing those films in a theater with the filmmakers and we mentioned it before some of those folks may never see their movie on the big screen again that might be the only time it plays let alone with a badass crowd that panic fest had man absolutely a great year no it was until we get to like the 10 or 20 year point again and which and that and the, you know that's come back and we're like oh now i got to do a horrorversary for that that film but I, i'll be so excited for it so. that's the best part of your show though is it's got a built-in catalog with every decade and 
there's just so many to look at. Mm-hmm. But we've we've got some doozies with some guests who are lined up this year, and 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 thankfully we're going to be branching out to one of the things that I've really wanted to do. We haven't had a chance for the last two years is getting filmmakers to come on to tell their side and and to see people who make films gush about these films that that may have either inspired them or ones that made them go someday I want to be able to make a movie as good as that. So it's, it, it's, it's nice to be able to do it. Well, and uh, with Richard Stanley, you talked about it before. He, you can tell a Richard Stanley film. Yeah. Yes. He's got one of those, that aesthetic and style that's immediately just evident. And when we were watching, uh, it was really nice actually with panic fest, the fact that we got to see two Richard Stanley films on the big screen within like four days of mm-hmm. each other, uh, with color out of space and hardware Two wild Richard Stanley. Well, that kind of goes without saying a Richard <laughs> Stanley film, <laughs> but ultimately two films though, you walk away and you go, yeah, that's welcome back. Richard Stanley. Very much. So welcome yeah. back. Yeah. And, and welcome back here as we look back on this film. Now, for the people who are listening at home who may have not listened to this episode or, you know, these episodes before and this is their first time, I always like to break down how we lay things out. And that's because having some type of structure works well and, and you could just dive into the movie. But I want to take a slightly different look. And that's what I like about doing this show is that for every single guest, doesn't matter if you guys, if it's Joe Lipset who was on, you know, now if it was Megan Navarro two years ago. Everybody gets asked the same five basic questions, and we kind of dive in from there. So the first question is one that I always love hearing from everybody because it's kind of your your history, if you will. It doesn't matter if it's something that you just saw recently or, or something that years ago. So the question that we put to both you guys is, do you remember the first time that you saw hardware? I do. I do. It was showtime, very late at night. <laughs> Paint a picture, genius. <laughs> right? It was about 1992, 93, and it was just like, coming up next, hardware. And it was already after something salacious. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm in, in for a penny, in for a pound, right? And I was I was expecting one thing, right? But I got something totally different. And I was like, this movie is insane. It's got... It's got everything I wanted and more. I wasn't expecting <laughs> robots with this. So yeah, no, that, I vividly remember it. That's the ultimate question. Did you you know you enjoyed it, but you know why you enjoyed it? Yeah, there was many reasons. Okay, that's that becomes <laughs> there was many reasons, but one of them was like a fucking killer robot. Absolutely. How how badass could you get? Plus, you know me in post apocalyptic movies. I love mm-hmm. post apocalyptic movies. So you put those together. It's fucking sweet. Punk rock Terminator, man. So you're lucky. I came to this one late, um, but it's funny because I knew of it by reputation. Uh, Even before the days of the internet, thanks to Fangoria, thanks to movie people that the, the, uh, the, um, the priest behind the counters there at many of our local <laughs> video stores, they were the ones that would turn you on to that. And they're the ones that said, you know, there's this really weird and the emph- heavy emphasis on weird uh, post-apocalyptic killer robot film that was done by this guy that did all these music videos back in the day. So and I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. Again, all those things add up. It's a Mad Lib that adds up to something I want to see. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until probably like within the last 15 years that I finally saw it on DVD yeah. when they put out a special edition of it. Uh, and again, the my expectations were, yeah, it's going to just absolutely blow me away because The Terminator is one of my all-time favorite horror films. And a lot of people said it's a punk rock Terminator, yeah. right? And so when I saw it the first time, I had somewhat some high expectations, but everything... It wasn't what I expected. <laughs> right. I, right. And that's my own fault. But that's because I think the beauty of this film is it will kind of subvert your expectations on yeah. what you would expect from. And I will make the argument that this is definitely a secret slasher film. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Ultimately. Um, but I think the mix of the sex, the color scheme, the violence when it happens, the yeah. special the, effects. The, the literal sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. That I... I <laughs> It was. It gave me an experience I wasn't anticipating, but I enjoyed it so much that it's a film that I've sought out, and I'm glad that it's kind of hit the cult status that it is. But ultimately, it is a film that's not for everyone. Oh yeah. Well, and what I was going to say, and I know that visual medium isn't exactly the best point for for a podcast, but I've it's, got up the, the that original yeah. poster here, and yeah. when you're looking at that original poster, it definitely does kind of sell one thing and kind of fits into that oh we know that terminator works let's try to do this and you're looking at it and you're like well that's not exactly fully indicative of what you're about to get into right no. see okay so 
I, that was two points I wanted to bring, bring up. One, I haven't seen this movie since the nascent days of Showtime, right? Yeah. Okay. And so seeing on the big screen, I was like even taking more big aback. But that poster, what you're saying, that poster is so cool looking. But because it it brings a little bit of the Terminator, it also brings a little bit of like Predator into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing the fucking Mark Thirteen was missing. Just like, <laughs> but uh, it's it's cool. It's Genius. A cool po- Stay on target. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Now, the second one is we put this early because I tell everybody that we're going to have a moment where we pause. And so we have to get to the second question because there's a chance that maybe you haven't seen the movie recently. Maybe you've never seen the movie before. So we set up this question so then you can take a pause. Now, I'm going to let everybody know that we are going off of the uncut version. So when we get into deep into the movie and we give you this chance to pause, we're watching the uncut version that's on Blu-ray. I think it was Synapse that put out the Blu-ray, yeah. I want to say. We'll have okay. to check that. Now, you can choose who, who wants to do this or you can try to, to double team this if you want, which I know is a, a dangerous thing when it comes to you guys, but I'm still going to put it out there. But the second <laughs> question we have is for the uninitiated and as few words as possible, Describe the plot of hardware. I think genius could probably succinctly sum this one up. Sex just, bot. Se- no, <laughs> not the sex bot. <laughs> just, just the plot. Don't go really into spoilers. I'd say a post-apocalyptic social satire where you have a robot versus people. Red shirts. Put in a blender through a, uh, again, a punk rock art aesthetic. And there you go. Throw in a little bit of heavy metal, a little live action heavy metal with some Terminator aspect with a whole bunch of like LSD. I know that's not very succinct, but it's hard with this film. Exactly. That's why I wanted to see where you guys went with it. It's just a wonderful trip. I mean, just like, well, you know what? Pieces. Pieces is exactly what you think it is. Hardware (laughs) is like the antithesis of pieces. And I think what I really Mm -hmm. like with this film is because it is divisive, is it's going to be a lot of things for a lot of different people. And obviously subjectivity and what we bring to films hugely colors things. But that's what I love with this film because I saw some people afterwards, it didn't really agree with them. They had some issues with it. But then you saw some other people. What was it? Like three quarters of the audience was seeing it for the first First time, time. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a huge, I would probably put it around like 80, 85%. Which, put put their hands up because I made sure to look behind when <laughs> when when you guys and Joe Lynch who was who was doing this with you asked the audience how much seen it and it, which made it more exciting and it just made for conversations afterwards that much richer. Well, and was even better is we always then do a thing to see if anyone has ever seen the movie in the theater. theater yeah, because that's listen, you yeah. know, we all host films here in the area, and one of the things we all go out for is that communal experience. Mm-hmm. We legitimately love that. That's the drug we're injecting for the most part <laughs> when we do that. But I had this whole segue because I knew Joe had seen it in the theater. I'm like, man. And he was like, it was an empty theater. So I was like, no way anyone in the audience. And <laughs> I was like, well, anyone that could have seen this in the theater, come on up, blah, blah, blah. Sure enough, we had like three or four people yeah. in the yeah. audience that saw it in the theater. Blew my friggin' mind. I, it was unreal. It was unreal. And now there's a chance, like we said, that some of you may it, not have seen it. So this is where we're going to give you a second to press pause. Okay, that was your that was your moment. That was it. If you weren't quick enough, then press pause now. But otherwise, no offense, but screw you. You you had a chance wow. to to watch the, the the movie. Fair warning. But if you but if you just want to listen to the conversation, that's totally understandable too. But more than I think the majority of films we do on here, for Richard Stanley, you definitely want to give it a chance to watch it and give it its due, especially with the uncut. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a few movies this year that did have their theatrical version but didn't actually get their due until it came to home video and they had the uncut version of it. I mean, I know I'm really excited. I know I'm getting ahead of myself in this off topic, but I'm excited for next year because of the fact that next year you'll be able to look at My Bloody Valentine from 1981, and it's this year, just shortly after we're recording this in a couple weeks, Screen Factory is putting out their Blu-ray that has the complete uncut version that's been rescanned yes, yes so you're gonna have it match the rest of the film which is the first time you've ever had that you've had it when it w- when it was on dvd mm-hmm. and they had the uncut stuff in there but it was really grainy and they didn't think they were going to be able to do it so people are going to be seeing a movie that they've been watching for you know over 30 years and they're going to be able to see it for the first time so when it comes to talking about next year yeah 
I, I'm so excited. I am yeah. excited for that. And I'll let, let me ask you guys this because they did the same thing for Pray for Death. Um, I think it was Arrow that put that out. And they inserted that the unrated grainy footage, which I actually liked because it was kind of a note like here it is. Yeah. And I think I don't know. I I do like the idea that it is going to be kind of interwoven pretty seamlessly for the most part. But a part of me really liked that just because it was like, by the way, this is the grimy part here. (laughs) We're going to hit you over the head. This is what you missed. Yeah. This is what you want. This This is is what what you get. Indeed. (laughs) But what was interesting, though, with hardware is because it's one that was pretty recent for me. I was very familiar with the theatrical cut. And it wasn't until a friend of ours from Ireland mentioned, uh, one Patty Murphy, uh, mentioned that over there, that's all they have is yeah. the uh, the NC-17 cut that we saw. And I'll be honest, though, beyond a few creepy crawlies and this and that, I didn't really see that much. Oh, there's, I mean, that's what, is, it, it's, it's, it's one of those films where a lot of the blood was taken out. And so you had cutaways. And the best way to compare it at the time, I know this is this might piss people off, but it's the best way to do it because we're never going to have a full version of this film is Friday the 13th Part 7. Yeah, because you think of that movie and you think of the way they cut away from so many of the kills. That's how hardware was originally. And the fact that hardware is not packed to the gills with kills. But if you're cutting away from that stuff, you're you're losing that payoff. So the uncut does have considerably a lot more blood, but we'll get into to some of those kills and everything, and I can point out some of them as we're going on. But this film is just so much fun. I wanted to say that <laughs> off the bat before we jump in and we're talking about it. But so the best way to go into the third question is just for for abject honesty. Whatever you feel, that's totally fine. If your your answer is just everything, that that's fine. But the third question is, what is it about this film that you think helps it stay prescient in a way for the past now we're, we're entering 30 years? What do you think about it, about hardware, makes people want to keep on coming back and revisiting it? It's a Richard Stanley movie. He brings some of the coolest baggage in genre, not only with the films that he's made, but the journey he's gone through. Uh, we joke about it kind of, sort of, but it's it's in the documentary about him being a warlock. He's totally a warlock <laughs> in but real life. He, you know, especially built around Color of Space now that we've seen it, and just say, he's not only is he back, but he's better than ever, Yeah, you know, ultimately. But when you say you're going to see a Richard Stanley film, it's almost like a litmus test. There are going to be some people that are going to go, who? But there's going to be a certain subset of people that are going to go, yeah, let's do this. Let's get bathed in red, you know, saturated in color, and we're good. So for me, it's it's just the name itself. It's Richard Stanley. I think there's a couple of reasons. One, like you said, Richard Stanley, even if you don't know, you know that he's going to bring something interesting to the table. Mm-hmm. But I also think, for me, what I really enjoy about it, it's still very prescient now. With, like, a lot of post-apocalyptic movies, Yeah, you know, you see, like, okay, we're heading towards that direction, or it's a lot of the satire of what that time is. And even though it was the, set in the, the satire of some of the 90s, yeah. it still felt like it was still, we're heading that direction. And that fear of technology coming to bite us in the ass yep. is like a constant fear. And as technology expands more and more, that's a fear that we have. I'm not speaking for myself because I'm all about androids and robots <laughs> and shit. But like as a society, uh, robots not only taking our jobs, but in this case, taking our lives. Yeah. So I think that's another thing to hit home. And that's why it keeps people coming back to it decade after decade after decade because it's still holds up. I mean, on a horror movie on paper alone, it still holds up, let alone you throw in like drug fueled colors and like crazy, interesting motifs and settings and side characters. So I think that's why a Richard Stanley movie is going to stay prescient for a long time. Now, now what kind of struck me as interesting that it, it was, I think each decade it's kind of become more and more important in a way. What is the whole basis of the Mark 13? Like what the point of it is. And even though this is a post-apocalypse world that that you have and you've got everyone, you know, who's got radiation and stuff. So it's kind of different for the way they set it up. But the the fact that the Mark 13 is population yep. control. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's sinister. And you think you have it bad now. Wait till we set the kill bots. Exactly. But, but, that, but that's a discussion that you have. Like, it doesn't matter if it's 2015, 2016, 2017. But with 
with with kind of the state of the world and everything that's what everybody keeps on mentioning is how much it's it's growing so that fear of of being like oh the government might the or the government might decide that they want to step in and create one of these machines it's still something nowadays you know that yeah you you could still have hardware but have it be you know changed to a different form of technology Mm -hmm. a smaller form of technology you know that that even like stuff like i mean we're not at that point but i think it's one of the few things in sci-fi that you can mention nowadays is like nanobots and stuff like that and that as as you have the the rise of different forms of technology going into the medical world and stuff like that it's like what if it going that way so the fact that the the genesis of what the mark 13 was supposed to be is population control that like that part of the story never goes away and it's always kind of a fear that's always there i tell you what even kind of messed me up even more is not only the fact that you find out it's for population control is even now i don't i don't know if this is just a um issue of where it built itself but the fact that the fangs when it kills you it drugs you into yes. you know you hallucinate now i don't know if that is just because you know he was built and found in the a drug user's apartment or <laughs> or if that was the intended method of okay we're going to kill you but hey by the way you're going to go out with just lovely colors yeah. and everything yeah. it's like that's even almost more sinister it's like um snakes yeah. or even spiders with spiders it is very fitting because and later on in the episode, he already has six arms and legs right. and stuff. And yep. so he can inject and kill. It's like, we'll send you to heaven before we send you to hell. Yeah. So that's and we, terrifying. And we can cut you up. This is another great example of like technolo- tech- technological body horror. Yes. Yeah. Especially the formation of the Mark 13. Did you Now, did you notice on this watch, and this is maybe the first time I'm watching it, I noticed this. You know what activated it? The Mark 13? Sex. 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 Yep. Which for me is again another little slasher trope yep. that. But his weakness is moisture. But his, so yeah, well, like, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. That's, we'll get into that in a minute. There, sex bots, and he's a hella sex bot because that drill. It's a. It's 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 it's, it's, a, it's we'll, a, we'll, we'll, we've got a question that, okay. that you can run wild on genius. Okay. No, no, please, no worries there, no worries there. But yeah, I mean the the sex component because it's not just them having sex, but then you also have to think about one of the people later on that he decides to focus on as a person who they're not having sex, but they are obsessed with the idea and the notion of of sex. And that's one of his early victims that he has as well. So yeah. there, there's very much that anyone who might be, sorry for saying it, spilling their seed anywhere is, is you know, kind of at the mercy of his death. And that's this is one of those moments <laughs> I can only imagine, like a young genius watching this on Showtime. <laughs> it's a cautionary tale. No. That, and those are those moments where, with a film like this, again, in the early 90s, we did not have the internet. So you had to insert this elements of the gratuitous nudity. But yeah. it was yeah. done any Richard Stanley style, so it is a little bit more artful. Exactly. But it was, again, you're still looking over your shoulder going, oh, please don't walk in on me while I'm watching this. Like, I don't mind if they're walking in while, you know, eyeballs are being gouged out, but don't want G- Genius is, is Genius's uh, mom is like, why are you asking she, for a telephoto she, lens for your... For, well, for Christmas. December was bad enough. I can only right? imagine. On the hardware. <laughs> no, you talked about that perv that like was there. Can we talk about who that perv was? Absolutely. Let's get into it. <sighs> um, Greg, oh. you, you, I know that you leaned over and well, and mentioned this during the film, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it upon you. Well, it's so funny that we love character actors on the podcast. I think pretty much most people do. Yeah. And William Hootkin is a true character actor because you, I guarantee you don't know the name. <laughs> you might recognize him from <laughs> such films as flash gordon yeah absolutely he was uh in batman mm-hmm. uh but more importantly he played porkins yep. in star wars and now he's a pervert in hardware he is totally a peeping porkins he's or a peeping pervy Porkins. it's horrible and I, honestly joe mentioned it and it was kind of he was set up he's like uh so you could tell the trivia was coming and i was like yeah. oh we're about to ruin some childhood <laughs> right because his character in this film is so nasty and gnarly, and yeah. he is the reason I think that the film is NC seventeen. Forget yeah, the gore, forget the nudity. So. Porkins is the one that did it. Oh my god! Yeah, the, the futuristic Forty Second Street. Seriously, the film changes so drastically when, when he it comes goes into in. his apartment. Yeah. Just in the fact that there are scenes when he's putting on these gloves. Gloves, when you're like, oh. what the fuck? And ah. you feel like you need the protection as well. Yeah. Like, we should be in those naked gun, full body condoms. Yes. When anytime he comes on screen. And then to make matters worse, 
apparently he improvised most of his dialogue. Oh. <laughs> well, the, you, the song. The song. Oh, no. We walk no. the wibbly wobbly walk. Yep. You're talking the dibbly wobbly talk. That's he's just oh. like a, a, a course away from inserting squiddly diddly yes. into the film. You would, and you would you would hope that he more so based it off a friend as opposed to yeah, something, something that was something just that building actual, in the back of his right? mind. Like, oh, that's because afterwards, if somebody's like, where'd that come from? And he's like, oh, just the top of my head. It's like Pure everybody porkins. Everybody take five steps back right now. Don't cross the yellow line to converse with this man. This is not what you want. <laughs> this yeah. is not, not what, what you, you should get. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but, but but let's quickly for just a second kind of run down the, the cast once we before we get to the next question, because there's a whole bunch of interesting yeah. actors. And then when it comes to uh, oh, I'm, I'm being handed a note right here. So let are, me. Are we talking about those potential what ifs? No, I wasn't oh. talking about the what ifs, cool. but you can bring that up. I was oh, talking I about will. the people who were actually in the movie. Oh, oh come on. Because you just have a crazy assemblage of character actors who are in it. Of course, the person who we don't see but voice is very prominent throughout the film is Iggy Pop. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is 1990, and it's it's kind of starts here. And then the next couple of years is when you see Iggy Pop more start and showing more. more and more in, in films. Would of, you say he had a lust for life? I, I would say that he was a passenger <laughs> oh on the journey of film. <laughs> He's worth I'll a million in prizes. I'll see my way out. But but having people like John Lynch in there as Shades, who's done so many different things. You have Lemmy, mm-hmm. who's there, and his, basically his water cab. himself. What would you call that, by the way? Water cab. Just a water <laughs> cab, that's it? Yeah, water cab. A, a water cab that, do you think it in, in any way inspired uh, stuff that shows up in Waterworld a couple of years later? Oh, absolutely. Because it definitely has that feeling like it, maybe that was the Mariner's job before he just went out on the ocean by mm-hmm. himself is that he was he was a, a disgruntled water cab driver. All we all we needed was like just a younger Dennis Hopper in the background somewhere <laughs> to lose in his eye. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's, that's where you <laughs> see it happen. That'd be perfect. He ran into the kill butt, but survived, but survived. Of course. Of course. Um, of course, we have the one of the leads of the film and Mr. Dylan McDermott. Not Dolman Marooney. No, go ahead. Just throw that joke out of the. We're not going there. We're the, the, uh What's it called? The campaign beat that uh joke several years ago with, okay. that had him in it uh the one that's got uh zach galifianakis and uh will ferrell yep like at the the end he's been it turns out he's been going under various aliases for a year and one of the ones that they actually throw in there is uh uh, uh, Dermot Mul- Mulrooney. Like just for a second, they're listing all these ones, and it's like the fourth one in there. And it's like, there, there you go. That's Not awesome. only was he up for it and be fine with the joke, but they were like, we need to do this just to nip it in the bud so that no one else can can do it. Take, and then take the piss out of it. Um. Oh God. Uh. What's his name? The the newscaster who shows up in it. Uh. Mac McDonald. Now Mac McDonald is somebody who. Oh, no, 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 that's that, that's a different. That's Michael McDonald. Oh, okay. Michael McDonald. But uh, you were talking about Batman or Batman and Mac McDonald. He shows up in the first one as a uh, as a goon. But he's been in a whole bunch of films. Like if you see this guy, so again, you're like, oh, he's a character actor. But he's he's on the news in there. But I mean, he was in the, the Russia house. Um, Of course, you know, hide hardware. He was in Nightbreed. Really? Also, before this, I wonder if he was one of the the, the human goons or someone in yeah, Midian. yeah, um, haunted honeymoon, Death, w- Death Wish three. Oh wow! Uh, top secret. Oh wow! Um, he's tying back in with Mister Porkins and Empire Strikes Back. He is a rebel pilot. Shut the front door. But he's he's been in a whole bunch of stuff. Like if you look at his picture, and I'll pull it up for you, gentlemen, so you can have one of those moments where you're like, oh. It's him. Is that guy right there? There we go. Of course, that guy. Oh, there, there you go. Okay, the, the very definition. And, yep. But even just having him be in the background For by having a, then, and mm-hmm. then of course we can't talk about any of this without talking about Stacy Travis. It's ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. Ridiculously because good. She's, and the funny thing is, of course, you have all the reds in it, and then you have her with the, the red, red hair contrasting with everything. It just it works so well. But I I think that's what sells a movie like this. Oh, of course, we forgot to to mention. Gonna butcher the Willow name, but uh, Burble Gut. Oh, Burble Burble Cut, the guy from Willow. Exactly, isn't yes, it? So yeah. you just have an assemblage, but for a film <laughs> like this, that's what sets it. Yeah, you, you have a killbot who can only do so much because of where technology's at the time that you need all these character actors to be able to draw you in, and that's what makes 
hardware so interesting and compelling when you're watching it. I mean, even the two police guys that you have that are playing chess, you remember them because of Mm -hmm. those those bits of characters. You get those type of characters nowadays, and it's just a throwaway. One of them has a joke, and that's Mm -hmm. it. But in here, they're the lifeblood of the movie. Everything is lived in in this film. Just the world itself seems like it's just unpleasant to be in, and everyone reflects in that, but... Everyone finds that little bit of joy, whether it's a game of chess, uh, whether it's the music, whether you're peeping in on your neighbors, they're finding little bits of that to get through. Life goes on. To the point where something that I don't know if we mentioned it on our our conversation, but like drug use in this film is really interesting as well, that it's, you have like government issued cannabis. Yeah. That's again. In 1990. Way back in the day. You have shades going on these. I don't think it's LSD, but it's obviously squeegeeing the third eye clean somehow. LSD. But it all ties in because if you notice, technically, and spoilers abound here, but the people that survive ultimately are the ones that were on drugs throughout. Exactly. Which yeah. is, I don't know if that's a take somehow or if that's Richard Stanley's. <laughs> Do drugs, just, kids. Yeah, but or, again, PSA. maybe it's a subversion of those slasher tropes that do exist in this film. And your your two leads in the film, the one who survives and the one who doesn't, are the two who are most connected to yeah. technology. Yes. Yeah. Because you think about that, the fact that Dylan McDermott is the one who has that robotic hand and yet he's one of the first people who's targeted by trying to fight back. So and it's and I love how the hand is highlighted and it has such a great Cronenbergian feel as it's just tied into the arm. But it's beautifully shot in the shower scene. Yeah. And I'm not a beautifully shot shower scene. In fact, that one is not gratuitous at all. No, even in the sex scene itself, the way it is bathed, like I said, it's artfully done. Yeah. Yeah. Everything in this film is so artfully done, but has that punk aesthetic to it as well. And art is such a driving force in this film as it is, because ultimately our protagonist is an artist. And Last night, I rewatched uh, Joe Bigas's Bliss. Oh. In anticipation of this reds. film. You yes. want to talk about reds. And artists going up and get, like, would, I think this would make an interesting double feature, Hardware yeah. and Bliss. But I love the fact that the artist is also, basically, she's being funded, I think, by the government as well. I, I think they mentioned it at one there's, point. Yeah, so. there's so there's a weird tie-in, too, how the government is trying yeah. to keep people in order. Well, she, I mean, she does She does spray paint the American flag on the government issue yes. uh, robot. So, I mean, there is like some sort of like middle finger somehow involved yeah. with her art. And obviously it's the art that comes back to bite her or gouge her or, you know, pounce on her quite literally. Funded by the government. Yes. Yeah. The, again, the population control. This is a... A, a movie not for everyone no but if you want to look at all the components and layers there's so much to take away from it it can be a killer robot film or it can be one that works on not an, an intellectual level but you can apply you someone could write a thesis on this film yes yeah and yes. earn some sort of like a graduate degree please do that please yeah, but- <laughs> do that and then and then re- reference horrorversary and, and, and let uh richard stanley know now yeah. i know genius you're you're chomping at the bit over here so we're going to get the question that's that's specifically for you <laughs> that's is there a signature scene or moment that stays with you in your mind? That, like, just recall, if somebody says hardware, your brain goes, boom, that scene. Absolutely. It's the scene where he pans at the very end when the killbot is standing on top of the altar and he's got all six arms. When he's conducting? Conducting. And yes. conducting. But then yes. he's bathed in red and then it just for the briefest moment turns into an image of Vishnu, the destroyer of worlds, and then comes back. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was one of the most beautiful and also like this is this is the destroyer of worlds. Yeah. Man's creation Man. is the destroyer of worlds. It's a it's a symphony of death. That was his to me, that scene right there was Richard Stanley's like topic sentence. Yeah. You know, this is what I'm going for in this movie. And then the dick the drill that was crazy. I, I, ha- I had to give you a moment so you could bring it up. There you go. It was crazy. I no. gave you. I gave. I opened the doorway and and let you come on in. And I like how you went a little classy. Yeah. With the first part and then oh yeah, robot dong. There right. It is. There. Because yeah. tell me that wasn't the most the phallic drill oh. symbol. Oh yeah. Uh, drill bit. It's in the fact that who he's doing it to ultimately. You, yeah. You talk about comeuppance and everyone in here. He's probably the only one that I was rooting for to get killed, and then everyone else you're like, oh 
come on, yeah. let him yeah. survive. Well, especially Porkins needs to get got. Especially with with Jill when they're starting to go along the the lines of like Evil Dead One. Yep. With mm-hmm. with him coming towards her. Yeah. In the in the shot selection. One of my favorite shots of the film is the one without. It's kind of absence absent of color, mm-hmm. but it's that overhead shot in the shower when the Mark Thirteen is zoning in on her and. Yeah. It just her red hair is more highlighted, but you get that stark white of the shower. It's so haunting yeah. because all of a sudden you just see how real he is. Because when he's bathed in the reds and the blues, yeah, it's kind of otherworldly. He doesn't seem real. He's still kind of hidden. Yeah, but in the light, stark light of reality, you're like, ugh. It just when he's grabbing the sides there, and you just oh. you have to look at him and oh. have to confront this evil for a moment because he's already burnt. Yeah, at yeah. the time, yes, so he's, he's even gnarlier than he was normal. And he's got in those fangs yeah. that yes. are fashioned. Just the design of this, um, it was put together, I believe, by uh, Image Animation. It was a company that worked on Hellraiser. Yeah, which you can kind of see in some of the way that he's put together. He totally could be like a robo cenobite, a robot cenobite. <laughs> yeah, I agree because yeah. he is otherworldly. Um, some of the, probably the biggest compliment I can give someone putting together a monster is kind of a what is that question? Not of it because I can't figure it out, but like, whoa, what is that? Yeah. yeah. And that's what this robot is because like you said, he assembles himself together out of what was around, which yeah. is an artist. So he already, he, he's kind of a hipster robot because he's already got like, <laughs> you know, assembled at this cool apartment with all mm-hmm. this great stuff. And with if batteries not included, went rogue. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, there's, um, <laughs> Jesus. Do you guys remember that movie? Was a virus? Yeah, yeah, with Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. and uh, Donald and, Sutherland and Sherman Augustus <laughs> and and the, the other Baldwin, the other Baldwin, the other one. Sorry, sorry, Billy. Sorry, well, Billy. And that came out like mid nineties, I think. I, I want to say it was late nineties. Well, do you 96. think that hardware, since it's set in, since it's kicking off the new decade, and we do have that fear of technology, and technology is advancing so much. Do we credit hardware with kind of a kicking off of the 90s with that? Yeah, I'd, I'd very much say so. And I mean, the interesting thing in the last episode, we were talking about this because we were talking about uh, Pitch Black and Pitch Black comes out in 2000. But it's it came out when it came out. It meant that they were working on it in 99. And this one being, you know, in 90 means that they were working 89. So you have these movies that are at the tail end of at one point, yeah. And even if it's not something that they're setting into they know they're kind of going into a, a fresh slate yeah. with this new point and so when people are looking at what what was successful design wise you know thematically i do think that it kind of weasels their way in so whether it's meant to be or not meant to be you, you kind of see the strain of movies that have you know elements that are the same over time i mean you you have that technology wave that's at the beginning of like the nineties, just because everybody knows we're going to continually get closer to the millennium. Yeah. And, and you, you have, you know, the beginning of the internet coming up, you have personal computers becoming a thing because they're so much smaller than they used to be that they're like, we know that this is something that people aren't sure about. We Mm -hmm. can hone in on it. Mm -hmm. And then when you start to think on a more abstract level, when you're getting closer to the millennium, you notice that it's more space oriented. So it's kind of like that first half of the 90s has more technology because you even have stuff like the net that's in there well it's not necessarily the technology is killing people it's still that fear cyber thriller exactly Mm -hmm. and and then later on you get in the later point and you have stuff like event horizon oh yeah Uh, we don't necessarily talk about it but supernova's in there when you get to the 2000 with it that you're looking at space but still has that technology Mm -hmm. in, in a different way so i i think that there's a chance that it could be maybe it wasn't intended, sure, um, but I, I definitely think that there's something to that when you can get on a tactile level, and especially when it comes to the human body itself being um, either in a state where it's disposable because you have the technology that's killing it or mm-hmm. for something like virus where it's assimilating. I mean, you also have to remember that in the um, oh, I don't remember like when exactly it was, but I mean, you have Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, with the Borg. With the Borg, yeah. which is hitting upon that. And the Borg were those characters that kept on coming back throughout the series. So even if it was something that was happening in the late 80s, it still blended into the 90s yep. 
because it, it was it's, getting more and more prescient as time went on. Oh, hell yeah. Look at the Cybermen and Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, you, you t- mentioned fear of technology, fear of change in technology, but the fear of change in your body. Yeah. Just the body betraying yeah. you because of the technology. It just becomes this horrible Pandora's box. Although yeah. I want that fucking dope, like, robo arm <laughs> that he, that Dylan. Well, it, it, it's, just, it, looked like the, it looked like a badass power glove. Yes. It looked like the power glove. If, if Ash Williams had a power glove, <laughs> that's what it would if, look like. If, if the power glove existed in existence. Yes. 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 Because <laughs> it had ew. that still, like, bio-ish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, but again, body horror yeah. and fear of technology. Yeah. Right, right yeah. there. Uh, Virus was 99. Was it 99? Okay, so it was still, again, on the cusp then of going into the new decade, the new millennium. Uh, Speaking of new millennium, when I was going through this the first time, and this does come from 2000 AD, which is a byproduct of Judge Dredd, but this is a film that totally could exist. And like, I would be not. I that would that not, building could be Mega City One. Yeah. Absolutely, like I could see a judge coming in and intervening mm-hmm. at that point. At some point, can like, you can you imagine if uh if those uh, police people that they have there are kind of like the the rejects, the people who wanted to be part to be, yeah, of the judge, judge program, not quite and judge, they, bailiff dread. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's it, it. Was one of those I can't be a police officer, so I'll be a security guard at yep. the building. Oh, and Constable that's you, you could have had a totally different flick with that where then they are the heroes and they've got to make their way up to that top floor. <laughs> Although exactly. fucking uh, Judge Dredd versus Mark 13 sounds dope as shit. Sounds yeah. wonderful. I would, it, it sounds exactly. Well, I mean, you kind of get that in the uh, Stallone version. Yeah, that's true. The, that's yeah, true. With the, but not as cool. I mean, like. Well, you, no, but I mean. Richard Stanley's Judge Dredd. Ooh, don't. Don't send us down that rabbit hole of something we we wish well, existed. Well, no, I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that would work. It would be wild, but I like Dread, like the American remake of Raid. That one. I, I don't know. He's violent, but he's. I don't know if he could do like. I, I think he could. Pew, 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 pew. I think he could. You know I what? Think in fairness, could find he could way. probably do anything he would want. Exactly. Wash well, it all in blue. Uh, ooh. So a couple. You mentioned the cast. I yes. want to throw out a well, couple. Well, we of we ones. didn't hear your answer technically. So, oh, so if you're if you're building to that, that's okay. But I need you to answer the goddamn question. Oh wait, what was the question again? The the last question was genius. Jumped in on it right away, but was it was the is there a signature? Oh yeah, no, the, that's the shower scene. Oh, the shower yeah, scene. That's the one. Oh yeah. I thought you were just talking in general and not saying specifically. So not at all. No, no, no. But you can talk about the cast. Excellent. I just wanted to make sure that we we yeah. have a system here. I want to stick stay, to it. I want to stay on target, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> this is goes into what casting what ifs. Yeah. And there's a couple of these that the film, I think, would have still totally worked and would have been amazing. But they mentioned originally the part of Moe, as played by uh, Dylan McDermott, was supposed to be Bill Paxton. Oh. oh, I can see that. And if you I think late of, '80s yeah, Bill Paxton, I can totally see that. Would it, he, he would he would that that kind of uh, snarky assholishness would have been more in your face than than coming and going. And granted, he's not as a you know, dreamy as you know Dylan is. Which yeah. don't get me wrong, if I had to choose between Dylan and Bill, I'm going Bill every way. But then ultimately, on the shades part, yes, they're originally looking for Jeffrey Combs. Oh. I would totally oh, see that movie. That would be when he takes the yes, the, the drugs. drugs would be a whole different experience. It'd be like Frighteners level Jeffrey Cole. His you you <laughs> would you wouldn't even need to get rid of uh, of Mo because Mo's death scene would be playing out in Jeffrey Combs' mind the whole time, the entire time. It just I just thought about that. I looked at that. I was like, man, that could have been a very interesting. Again, don't get me wrong. I love yeah. what we have, but man, with that kind of casting aside, really. Would it have elevated enough that more people would know about the film? I don't I don't necessarily think so, because when you think about the time and you think about the 90s, Paxton is somebody who's a side player and in several of the movies that he's in at the time. When you think of Near Dark being uh, 87, you, you think of uh, Aliens and even just a couple of years later when you get True Lies, he's still that side person. He's not the forefront who's the, the co-lead. When did Twister come out? And I don't want to go Twister off Twister is tangents. like 90, 90, 94, 95. Because about mid-90s, I think yeah. he started finding a little mm-hmm. bit more And getting power. more, yeah. Yeah, more headlining and stuff. And, and I mean, it's no offense to him. I love the yeah. blacks and everything, but I'm not sure if if they would have been looking at him that way for the type of role that they that they were wanting. Now, Jeffrey Combs, I think he's somebody who, he's a, a chameleon, yeah. Um but it wasn't I I think 
for how they tried to release the movie. Maybe maybe not necessarily, but but it does have such a crazy assemblage of actors that yeah. I, I think it would be interesting if it was. And Nick Cage is Mark 13. <laughs> As the voice of Mark 13. <laughs> and that, that whole, when he's holding on to the poles, when Moe's going crazy and he's seeing yeah. it, just seeing the crazy Nicolas Cage Nicolas grin Cage the whole face. time going, ah, rage Cajun. Yeah. Well, he, he would have literally been in the cage. So. And this yeah. isn't going on a tangent because it's fair, but okay. your thoughts on color out of space with Nick Cage, because I want to say something that might be well, controversial. Let's, let's, let, oh, let's, okay. let's, let's save that. Okay, no, can, that's fair. Sorry. For the lay- and it might kind of tie in for what the next question is, which this is the one that I think trips up everyone, because it's uh, either the easiest question in the world or it's the most difficult one when you think about it for a moment. And that's, is there a contemporary film that's reminiscent of hardware? And if there is, or if there's one that you can think of, what elements do, do you think that new movie possibly does better? Or what do you think that hardware does that puts it above that film? Now, how are we defining contemporary or just like within the last 10 years? Well, since or... since this is a film that, that is now hitting 30, so I would say within the last at most 10 years. So we'll look at within the last decade. You know, and this is a, a far cry from it, but again, it speaks to technology and our relationship with it can also be kind of as a social satire, but mm-hmm. a her. Okay. Potentially. Again, tonal opposite. Yeah, that is. Tonal opposite, but the relationship that is built uh, between, again, there's on our side, it's kind of the fear of technology, but mm-hmm. ultimately we have an artist embracing it and making it her own. And in her, it, there's no fear of technology. It's totally embracing it and finding something good out of it. So I think... Ultimately, you have two totally different um, near-future stories. Different tones, but the good character actors. Uh, her was, is that, who, who did Scarlett her? Johansson? Yes. Or but, are you uh, talking about directing The it? director. Spike Jones. Thank you. Yeah. Another one that has a very distinct vision came from music videos as well. Yeah. And is one of those artists, for the most part, you can go, yeah, well, this is pretty much a Spike Jones film. That, for the most see, part. that's not one I would have thought of at all. So that's... That's fascinating. That's the only one I could pull off the top of my hey, head. That's, that's okay. Genius is, <laughs> is is going nuts over here. He jumped out of his seat when I asked that question. I had two. One that popped into my head instantaneously, and the one that like oh like, I had to think about it, but it all it was like on the tip of my tongue. The one that popped up to me was Upgrade. That's Ooh, it. Yeah, yes, I was thinking that yes, too. Upgrade yes. popped right into my head yeah. when I thought of that. Not only the color scheme, the fear of technology, the futuristic world. The, it, Upgrade would play a great double feature with it, and then you would top it off with Mandy. If Ooh. I was to do, if I was to do a nerd knowledge type thing, it would be <laughs> those would be the trailers you'd put for it. It would be Mandy, Upgrade, um, probably Tank Girl, and then Second Sight. <laughs> or sorry, split second. It's a split, split second, second with split Red, second Howard. with Rutger Hauer. Yeah, there we Th- go. There you go. Yeah, that would, there we go. Because you have the humor but, and you have everything in there. So, but yeah, no, Mandy is the one with just the just the sheer color scheme of it. But also, I mean, Upgrade was the one that just boom yeah. right Up- there. Upgrade's definitely. I mean, it's it's a yeah. different beast, but it definitely has that that fear of technology. The the killer robot in a way, if you if you want, because of what's happening. Two in killer it. robots, Robo McPoyle, and, and then and yeah, and it's minimal gore too. But when the gore hits, it hits hard. It hits, it hits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, those are those are great. Those are completely opposite <laughs> ends of the spectrum that that definitely tie back in. So I give you credit for that one. Now, th- this is the end of the basic questions, and it'll still seep into more. But I'm curious, since you guys have recently watched this film. Is it still worthy of the reverence, or do you think that it's it's starting to be at the point where that luster is kind of, you know, fading away? Like I said earlier on the show, it was since the nascent days of Showtime since yeah. I saw this movie. Watching this movie again, it was almost like watching it for the first time. It was fantastic. You know, I still remembered some of the beats. I still remembered all this stuff, but I was like, yeah. this movie is gold. I mean, it totally deserves every recognition and then it gets more it's kind of a shame that one what happened to richard stanley in general yes all the cool things we could have got from him since back of the day but also look how many people saw it for the first yes. time yes you know yes. and and yeah it was divisive mm-hmm. but how many people said that movie was fucking great you know yep. so like yeah i i think it totally deserves I, all the accolades that it can get i think in a weird because we keep on mentioning you know terrible things that have happened to to richard stanley 
Um, which of course, if you if you haven't seen, because I'm pulling it up, uh, right Lost, now, is it Lost, Lost Souls? Souls, the Doom documentary of the Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's yes. Island of Doctor Moreau. If you haven't seen that, definitely yes. check it out. But I think what what's happened recently with the film being released now and hardware having its 30th anniversary in the same year is kind of the best thing in the world because people who are going out and are saying, "Oh, there's Nicolas yep. Cage in a movie." Yep. You know, there's Jolie Richardson in a movie. I, I want to check this out. Uh, the kid who's probably had the worst last year acting-wise of his life because he was in uh, Greener Grass, and then he was in this one in Greener Grass. It's 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 in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. In Greener Grass, he turns into a dog. <laughs> and then we won't get into it, but he has the things that happen to him in, in Color Out of Space. And you're just like that. Oh, oh God. That, yes. that poor yes. child being in, yes. in all these movies. But the people who are who He are needs going, to do a Hallmark movie or something just to balance just, it out. Yeah, just put, something. Put, put him on a light Nickelodeon show Please, for a year. do something. But you have the people who are going to color out of space who are going to be like, who's Richard Stanley? I haven't heard of him. Yep. And I think this is the perfect thing to, oh, just go back here. Just go back to 1990. It's an anniversary. You're going to have theaters that are showing a retrospective on this. Go back and see hardware. I think it's the best thing that could possibly happen. And I'd like to point out for every single person that saw it for the first time in the theater, not only did they get to see the uncut version in the theater, but they also saw it in the best facsimile of Joe Lynch's house that we could. (laughs) He mentioned it before that it was just kind of nice to see it with so many people. And for him, it was seeing it at his house and... That's a memory. Ultimately, for me, that was a memory. I yeah. watched Hardware in the theater with Joe Lynch. I watched it in the theater with my friends. Yeah. I got to see a film like that. It was. It, um, we mentioned on Pan- at Panic Fest, you make memories. Yes. That was a memory made, man. It was so wonderful. And experiencing the film, hearing the people react, the, especially with William Hootkin, just the ooze. Like you could just, <laughs> like you could feel people reacting, and the little, the kind of the fake out ending. Gets yes. me every yeah. goddamn time. It gets me every time. And it was a lot different and a lot better than watching it on a showtime by myself. At like <laughs> two o'clock plus, in the you, plus, you get that wonderful widescreen as opposed to four oh, by yeah. three that you were right. getting home. Now, so you you would also agree that it definitely absolutely, is it's absolutely. worthy. Okay. And it's one that I think deserves its cult status because yes. it, it coming back to it, oh, it's yeah. not a film for everyone. No. I guarantee I'm going to introduce this to this film to someone and they're going to go, this is kind of whack, man. Like, yeah, it's just not yeah. my thing. And again, that's okay. But then yeah. again, you're going to have that. Some people like, this is, is my, this is my jam. Yeah. And even better than you can then, like you said, I love the fact that people are going to ultimately reverse engineer yeah, into exactly. a lot of his previous work. Because now think about when we were back in the day, pre-internet, mm-hmm. it was so much harder to reverse engineer all this mm-hmm. stuff. You had to seek out stuff through the physical and again sounding my age here but because of social media because of the internet you have so many war ways now you can watch thanks him all of his you know <laughs> music videos thank you youtube yeah the pre-show i put together for that actually was a lot of his previous music video yeah. work because you look at it and you go that's a richard stanley video like every just you could almost see kind of the evolution of everything building into hardware yeah because and i you could technically call it a we've gone almost an hour have we talked about the music in hardware no i was i was going to bring that up in the, okay, in the little postscript <laughs> but but we can jump into it right here music's rad oh my god and as a the fact that lemmy plays motorhead in his water cap <laughs> come on he should have been he should have been that guy yeah. and wearing the the, the motorhead shirt totally. while he was going along but as a metalhead myself and that means i enjoy industrial it is always a little weird when you get Ministry Stigmata oh. playing over the Guar video, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm sure a lot of people are exposed to Guar for the first time. Yeah, and you want to talk about something illicit? When I first experienced Guar, uh, I could I could actually take you to the exact spot, like the exact physical spot mm-hmm. where my buddy Chris Stroud introduced me to me. Um, but I had to specially order. It was this VHS copy. It was called Live from Antarctica. Ooh. It was Guar Live. And as a 14-year-old, when I finally got it from, I think it was a music land, yeah. and it was one of those, I took it home with some friends, and we were looking over our shoulders the entire time, because Odorous Arungus comes out with this giant penis. <laughs> you don't see that on the album cover, and I'm just like, oh my god, what am I getting into? So anytime- This is what you want. This is this what I get. <laughs> so ultimately, uh-huh. it could be a cautionary tale, but- I love that fact. And again, yeah. that's just going to be a moment for all you metalheads to go, oh, that's not right. But who cares? It's You're still getting to hear ministry. You're yeah. getting to see Guar. It's, it's wonderful. It, 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 ha- it has that connection that's just, that, that's so visceral and fun at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I wanted to mention that, that we, we've been talking about hardware. 
the unfortunate thing about hardware is that we're at a point where it's going to be difficult to buy a physical copy. I don't know if it's out there anywhere to stream. Hopefully, somebody's listening to this. Put it put it somewhere on there. Shut or shout out. Even if it's something like Tubi or before we were recording this, for a little behind the scenes, we were talking about how Amazon Prime is putting out lots of these movies to, to watch and stream on their titles that you wouldn't expect. But... The two that we'll mention for this is that there's a Blu-ray that's from Severin. Is this? Okay. And I believe that's an NC-17, but it also looks like Ronin Flicks uh, put out one in 2018. They're both technically sold out, so you'd have to go somewhere, you know, like eBay and keep an eye on that. But it, it's it's wholly worth it. You know, I think if you if you check, even if you're someplace who happens to have like a used video store around you, whether it Always be... Always keep an eye out. Yeah, it, whether it's uh, something like uh, Half Price Books or... Um, Vintage stock, vintage stock, or any places like that 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 you know, you know, take a look, take a chance, look and see if hardware is there, because it's possibly going to be a little bit cheaper, and then you know, just grab it. Now, I tried something last week, and I'm going to give you guys the chance if you want to do this, but I want to do something that it's a very bad title right now. I'm going to change it, but right now, (laughs) I'm thinking about calling it related recommendations. Ooh, okay, and that's so you have a choice here. You can either think of a movie that's from the same decade that this film came out. Okay. So we've, okay. kind of, we've kind of gone over a couple, but something from, you know, 1990 to, to 2000 that you think would pair fantastically mm-hmm. with hardware or choose like two to three movies from the last couple of years that are that are more recent that, that you would suggest. So so that people can have a chance to see something new or something old that you think would pair well, because we're at a point where lots of people, when they're checking out older stuff, they're not checking it like just one. They want to find a couple, whether it's, they want to take an entire weekend and watch several movies, or they want to have a double feature in that evening. So if you guys can choose either one, but, but please let the people know what you'd want. I have a triple feature for you. Okay. Here and we it's go. It's going to be from the year 1990. Okay. And it's going to be the Google Gobble One of Us because Ooh. ultimately I think if you paired all three of these films, all three of the filmmakers are kind of champions of the downtrodden, okay. uh champions of the 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 others if you will. Yeah. So we could start off with hardware. I would like them to transition into Clive Barker's Nightbreed. Oh. And then I think I would like to finish everything off with Frank Henenlotter's Basket Case 2. Yes. Now, Ultimately, we have monsters versus robots, but I think all three of the filmmakers, their sensibilities lie with the monsters. And that's why I like with Mark the Mark 13, ultimately, it's only going with its programming. It's only doing what it's supposed to do. It doesn't see itself as the bad guy. And that's what I like about that, ultimately. Yeah. Um, the government is bad. The Mark 13 itself isn't. Same thing with Nightbreed. You know, the monsters themselves are the heroes. It is man that is bad. Yeah, the government's bad because you've got the police officers who are there. And then Basket Case 2, ultimately, it's kind of the media that is kind of bad, ultimately. <laughs> but again, a lot of this is also about finding your family Yes, and sticking with your family. Um, so I think if we're celebrating films from 1990 that would work coexisting again, whether it's theme or the uh, directors, yeah, um, Hardware, uh, Nightbreed, and Basket Case 2. I was going to go with what we were talking about, like what I would do, like the upgrade and Mandy, yeah. and I was yep. going to throw in for 1990 Predator 2. Ooh. Right? Because the whole. But I think this movie is best appreciated with the Richard Stanley appreciatist. Appreciatist. So I would start off with hardware. Okay. Then I would go into Lost Souls, the journey. Yeah. To, to like, okay, this is what happened to him next. And then, like, then I would end the night off with Colorado Space. As okay. Saying, like, this is what led him to here. Yeah. So, like, kind of like. The, the evolution. Of Richard Stanley. The okay. non-doomed journey yeah. of Richard yeah. Stanley. The, the doomed journey and redemption of Richard Stanley. I like that. The reconstruction. To, to tie there, we go. Hardware. Hardware. there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, thank you guys so much for for being on here. This was this was great. It, it means a lot to me to have you guys on. Sincerely, we talk about it a lot, but um, we mentioned at Panic Fest the memories made, but also the film family. Yeah, and it's been one of the greatest things of this podcast is it's led me to people like Genius. It's led me to people like you. It's always a fun excuse just to get together and talk, but it's um, something that we're building, not a legacy per se, but this is something we'll always be able, be able to look at. Yes. These conversations, all tied from our love of movies. So thank you, man, for putting together the Absolutely. podcast. Yeah, man. Us a, thank you. You're part, also, of the, you're part of the film family. And like family, 
we argue. <laughs> we are not talking about it comes to night genius no but also really quickly i should point out that um adrian is actually going to be um doing a uh, on the round of the scream 16 on yep. our into the mouth of march madness tournament that's going to yeah. be coming out in march so make sure to check that out as well we're going to cronenberg the 1990s was what i'm always the, the and i'll give you guys a shout out because it's it's a it's a daunting task only because when you're involved with this, you have one or two positions. And that's either you are the person who is the, the first of that round. So what you're, what you're choosing to go on, you're kind of forcing the next guest yes. to have to watch. And if you're in the other spot, then you're being told, oh, these are the movies that you're watching because this person this is- chose it. And I will never forget uh, several years ago when I was on, I was like, oh, yeah, these are the two that I want to to go forward and one of them was martyrs and i listened to the next episode and it was i believe it was my good friend heather wixon yes it was who mentioned on there was like i hadn't watched this movie before and i'm like oh son of a bitch i'm the reason you had to go back and watch this movie and you feel terrible about it so hopefully (laughs) hopefully i I won't be uh I, i won't be the cause of anybody's downfall now what you don't see us is we're whispering something the secret of eternity and adrian's ear oh god i'm well, so worried i'm so worried i don't i don't want this knowledge but to, to finish secret, up the secret yeah. is a shunting oh. <laughs> why would you do this why would you do this that's true love if, if anyone follows me on on twitter then you know my history with society and this marks Cheers. the second time this year we're only in month two second time that i have had it thrown in my face because shockwaves had it up for their body horror not only was erla kane wearing the shirt and i told him afterwards i said i can't look at you save for your eyes because you're wearing that goddamn shirt but then they had it up there and and greg just slowly turned to me when they put it up there and i'm like i don't know <laughs> it was like no another memory made but to get back on track here, please, please let everyone. And I'm going to say I normally say just the good people of the Internet. But because of what you just did, let everyone know where they can find you out on the Internet and in the social media. Certainly uh, for Nightmare Junkhead. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And then uh, Nerds of Nostalgia. We're on Twitter at Non Podcast and on Facebook at Nerds of Nostalgia. Genius. Um, You can also find me uh, at uh L E L underscore genius G- genius with a J um, at Twitter um, Facebook I think I'm the only genius McGee there and uh, also I do a lot of stuff with the Kansas City Horror Club so I usually post a lot of goofy stuff and all of our shenanigans our horror related shenanigans usually go up there too so and you can find me on Twitter at yo Adrian Taurus for the show you can find it at Horrorversary because it's very short very simple and it wasn't taken so it, it worked <laughs> it, it worked out that's what i wanted it was something that was clever that wasn't taken that can get stuck in people's ears and until next time be nice to each other <laughs>